Hey folks, welcome to a podcast about Catholic things. This is your ambassador of common sense, uh, Eric, and I'm here with... I'm Dan, your ambassador of nonsense. Hi everybody. And I guess you got... Apparently, oh, yeah. we've got, got a difference we... of opinion on what the uh, beer of the week is. That's okay. The The beer of the week, we'll do this week, the beer of the week is Lagunitas Hop Stupid. Um, Lagunitas was, was a uh, beer company started in 1993, and uh, it recently, a couple years ago, in, uh, well, more than a couple years ago, in 2015, it was uh, kind of bought by Heineken. Um, not fully, but Heineken bought a, a majority interest in it. At that point, it stopped being a true craft brewery, but they still make pretty good beers. Uh, so uh, this one is Hop Stupid, um, which is a kind of fairly hopped up and malted up beer. It's a heavy beer, uh, weighing it at 8% alcohol by volume. Um, Doesn't look heavy. Yeah, it's not dark, but but it's, you know what? it's got... What? I wonder if I left it out in the heat too long. Lift your Why? bottle up to the light and look at the bottom. All right, hold on just a minute. Oh, do you see... Uh, hold on just a minute, let me... Gunk. <laughs> Is it white? Mm-hmm. It just looks cloudy. Okay. So I'm holding up to the light. Yeah, there's 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 uh, what appear to be um, uh, floaties in there. Um, let me, uh... Looks like backwash almost. Somebody drank from this bottle before they capped it. Alright, so I I typed in... Okay. (laughs) Let's find out what that actually is. I typed in, uh, hop stupid and hit space, and what Google came up as the next, uh, word that I was likely to type is floaties. Ah. (laughs) They do it on purpose. Okay, that's right. Uh, blah blah blah. A minute. Hey, we got some bad beer. I wonder if you're supposed to like, because this is like, you say the bottom. Well, I guess it's concentrating at the bottom. It's kind of sort of settling down. Yeah. But um, I didn't pay any attention well, to it. Well, when I so. took a drink, a lot of it got stirred up. Oh yeah, so there's somebody complaining about the same thing. Okay, so so. Online, the the um, consensus seems to be that it's pretty common. It's just yeast and uh, and and uh, hops bits. Um, My beer has a yeast infection. <laughs> your beer has a yeast infection. That's right. <laughs> okay, uh, but everybody says it's still drinkable, though. Still drinkable. And okay, are you going to drink agree. the whole thing? Are you going to drink the floaties? Yes. Okay. Yes, absolutely. They're, I mean, what can I do? I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna sit and wait for them to settle down before drinking. Calm down, boys. <laughs> Go to the bottom of the bottle where you belong. <laughs> That's right. All right. Okay. So that's the uh, the brew. The beer of the, of the week, week is is one with floaties. <laughs> okay. I'll I'll link to it, and I might also link to. Some of the explanations about the floaties. Yeah, see if you can find some. That's, um, so, so, some that I were just kind of indicated that, that Lagunita seems to have a lot of that. Ah. Uh, I never noticed that. Okay. <laughs> I noticed those kinds of things. Yeah. Well, one should. Well, no, I actually, I was just looking up. I was lifting it to the light to see, because you said heavy, and I'm thinking dark. 
Oh, and okay. So I'm right. Looking at right. it in the light, and I'm like, "Hey, what the heck is that?" That doesn't look very heavy. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, this I I don't even know. I should have looked at the dates, but the the going on in the church right now is the uh, Synod of Bishops for the Pan Amazon region, and um, and that's like right now it's happening. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So a synod for Pan Amazon. Now I assume that this isn't to uh, address address the the needs of Catholic evangelization within the Pan Amazon region. Well, see, you would think that's what it should be for, but um, sure. I mean, there's but this is the reign of Pope Francis. Yeah, and then uh, it, here's I'm looking at their website and then Amazonia: New Paths for the Church and for an Integral Ecology. An integral ecology. I don't even know what that means. Discernment towards a pastoral and ecological conversion. I guess the An church needs to be converted conversion? now. We've got to convert the church to match these these indigenous people's ways of life. where they Is, is see, that what they're I, doing, trying to preserve indigenous ways of life? I, I think so. And, and the thing is... You know, I I thought maybe okay because they put a preparatory document for the synod on the Pan Amazon region. They released this, and I thought I should read this whole thing, but we were running out of time. And then I thought, well, maybe I'll skim through it. But I I kind of skimmed oh, through the first part, and I know that I yeah. don't need to read anything else. It's just yeah. <laughs> ridiculous. Sometimes it's like, okay, I... I, I know what yeah, this is. This, this is just yeah, exactly. goofy crap. Um, <sighs> I Here's the thing. We were going to do one on environmentalism anyway, before I even heard yeah. the thing was going on. And, and now we got something to talk about. Because we did one on animal rights, and mm-hmm. uh, maybe it was different than people thought it would be. Um, it's just, it's how... We've stated how both of us kind of feel towards animals um, as far as whether or not we should worry about whether or not they're in pain, things like that. But, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, environmentalism is a big thing right now. And the thing, the problem is that the uh, most of environmentalism uh, revolves around the fact that we should not be having babies. Oh yeah, you know? it's it's, I, it's most most environmentalism uh, is it it when you like kind of start digging at it and realize what what's going on. Mm-hmm. It, what it really is is anti-humanism. Yeah, it's it's environ it's an ism set up against humans. Anti-humanism. That's what it is. Right, and uh, obviously that's not. That's not a Catholic thing. We can't. Uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> we can't subscribe to that in any way, shape, or form. Um, right, right. But the way it's often presented, before you get really knee deep into the philosophy, uh, it it sounds like a good thing. You go, mm-hmm. you visit the park. Sounds reasonable. And you see the trees yeah. and the hills and the uh, wonders, and you think, yeah, we need to preserve this, and so. Right. That's how you approach it. And, you know, at the same time, look, we can look at places like South America or Africa, and we can look at the ecology there. 
and we can mm-hmm. see certain things that have been preserved. And, uh, you know, you watch the nature shows and it's like, yeah, we definitely need to preserve this. But I, instead of looking at that, I'd rather look at it uh, from a historical standpoint and look at the Americas. Because the okay. Americas is an entire, well, not just the Americas, the United States of America is an entirely right. different, uh, the same thing was going on here that was going on there. And mm-hmm. uh, we treated it a certain way, and I submit that it was the correct way to deal with this stuff. Um, and I guess almost the correct way. We got a couple things here, and, and part of this synod that's going on is talking about the way of life of the indigenous peoples who uh, do not know Christ and who have right. every right to know Christ and who we should not be denying their right of salvation. Mm-hmm. The, we, we need to tell them who Jesus was and why he was here. And yeah. that involves a change of lifestyle. You don't, you don't meet Christ and not change. Yeah, it's, that's, that's true. Um, so Christianity there, has always been about conversion, not, not, not merely some kind of transfer of intellectual knowledge or something like that. Right. And I mean, we can look, we can look at the American Indians and kind of draw some, uh, parallels here. Mm-hmm. We, the indigenous people of North America had a certain way of doing things, had a certain way of life. I don't care how you cut it, that way was going to end because of the colonists who came here. We yeah. we saw these these lands that we could conquer and use, and we were going to do it. Now, you might say something like, what if each state had been one nation instead of a state of nations? And what if each of those nations had a different approach to this entire matter? Um I think things still would have ended up the way they are, as in most of the buffalo are killed off. I'm not saying we should have killed off all the buffalo, but um, the buffalo covered so much of the land and their wild animals, and we wanted to use that land. And if they were as numerous now as they were back then... I mean, can you imagine getting up in the morning, oh, yeah, looking at your through backyard, stuff. yeah, seeing a buffalo? <laughs> we I have, mean, it would be it would be even more than, for example, white-tailed deer. Yeah, because we have white-tailed deer going through my backyard now. There's some right. small, very, very like less than half an acre of wooded area, and mm-hmm. there's like five of them back there sometimes. Um, yeah, can you imagine if those were buffalo? Because you hear stories about deer attacking people. But buffalo are, mm-hmm. they're bigger than cows. Can you imagine Gosh, one of those things yeah. running into you? And I don't know. It, it wouldn't have worked. I don't, I'm not saying we should have destroyed them the way we did, but we did have to bring those numbers way down if we were going to use the land the way we wanted Yeah, to. it was necessarily going to happen. I mean, you, you, know, they, some, you know, when you take land and, and put it to uh, human, uh, what I'm going to say, civilized use, um, and civilized is a good thing when I say it, not a bad thing. <laughs> um, you, you have to trim certain things. You have to trim, 
you know, flora. You've got to cut down trees and make room for to build the houses and yards and roads and stuff like that. Well, sometimes you have to trim fauna too, and you yeah. have to to get rid of some of the animals in the area in order to be able to to make use of the land. Doesn't mean that that you should do it universally for all the land and just get rid of all the animals. That's that's not what we're saying. But yeah, some some trimming has to be a you know has to be done. Right, and it should be. You know, we shouldn't feel like that. That's always a bad thing. Well, you look at places like um, in Africa, you've got the migrating uh, wildebeests. Now, say mm-hmm. they were going to tame parts of Africa. The wildebeests migrate because they're following the fresh grass. They follow the oh, rain. Right. Um, mm-hmm. If you were going to tame this land, one of the things you would do is make it so that it's not desert for most of the year and, and you could we can do that i mean yeah. we we could make lakes we can trap mm-hmm. water so that it could be used all year long we do it here in america in parts of well all all through the states um yeah. if you have that huge number of wildebeest there's no reason for them to migrate anymore because the land has been tamed to where it's not desert for most of the time but if you've got that many of them, they kill the land. So the idea is you've got to trim them down. And then those ones that are left over can stay wild and they can stay in one place and they don't have to migrate. It does change things, but it doesn't eliminate the the, the structure that God had set up. He had set up this structure right. so that the land could remain alive until it is civilized. Or inhabited yeah. by humans. Mm-hmm. I I always think of that being the plan here. America was set up a certain way so that everything on it would live and continue living until it was civilized. The environmentalists come up with these ideas that we should not touch the land at all. Because they point to certain things like... If yeah. If you eliminate, say, this one animal or eliminate this one plant then this part goes out of control, this part goes out of control, and eventually you end up with a desert in places where you didn't have desert. For example, if you start cutting down trees in the Amazon. But if you go further than just cutting down trees, if you tame the land, then it doesn't happen that way. And we can yeah. come up with I mean, we don't the- just cut down trees for the purpose of having the trees gone. Right, we're using when, them. When we make use of land, part of the use of the land always involves turning the land's uh, purpose to, okay, some of it's going to be so that we can build, you know, maybe houses and roads and stuff. But often it's when we're making use of the land, we turn it to uh, purposes of growth. You know, it, right. to, you could say ecological purposes if you consider the ecology that which supports our animal needs for food and that kind of right. stuff. So we're going to grow so, uh, food yeah, there we, for us of, or food there for what, the animals. Yeah, I mean, you know, or more trees, whatever there is, we grow crops or something. Yeah. Like, I now, mean, I mean okay, we plant I agree. trees now. Maybe, maybe there are some species of animals that, that might not benefit from the change in 
you know, that, that we bring about to a certain area or whatever. There might be a um, couple that die off, but it's... There might be some that die. There might, you know, I'll, it's kind of funny. You know, plants and animals alike have kind of shown a, uh, a strange uh, resiliency. A lot of the animals that, that sort of really need to be there anyway, they, they right. tend to adapt. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, that's one of the things, I mean, okay, we, we, we tend to look at species and we think in terms of every species, I, I say we, I mean, modern people yeah, has to be preserved as though the, there's, you know, some kind of, I don't know, universal plan that, that, that includes that particular species. I don't know that we necessarily have to even look at things that way. Right. You know, if you're going to go at it from a purely, uh, if you're not even looking at the plans of God, if you don't even believe in God and you're going to say this is all part of evolution, then why would we preserve any species? Yeah. Why bother? I mean, that's, you know, this species evolved specifically in reaction to the conditions around it. If we're going to make Mm -hmm. those conditions change, then it would follow that whatever's there is going to evolve or be gone which is or, yeah, be replaced by something ultimate plan of nature if, if right. you follow that line of thought if you don't then it okay it was a creation of god to keep that land healthy until we were there were enough of us to move in there and uh take care of it the way we would right and if you know, in places like in California where they're trying, they're trying to go by this plan where we want the land to be as though man never was here. Mm-hmm. You can't do that because of the migration of animals. It, it's impossible now. So what ends up happening is the land suffers and you have these giant forest fires that never seem to get put out. And then it it also encroaches on the uh, in, into the cities and and destroys that land as well. It destroys everything because they won't take care of the land that they are in charge of. Yeah, yeah. I I, I hate to use a uh, one of the pop terms that are always floating around there, but stewardship, <laughs> good stewardship oh, of the yeah, land. That's right. <laughs> stewardship means not just not touching it. It means uh, taking care of it. Yeah, stewardship implies that that you're exercising a level of control, and that we're going to use it. That that you're you're governing something. Yeah, yeah, and 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 use of it. Um, it's it's not just kind of a hands off. You know, the steward, <laughs> the steward that's left in charge of the of the uh, palace while the king is gone. <laughs> yeah, he's not supposed to just kind of sit off in the distance and. Uh, Yep, the palace is still going. Yeah, <laughs> you know he's he, he's supposed to make use of it and govern it and control it and and so forth. Yeah. And, well, hey, and if the church, e- even the steward you know, who was in charge of a hundred talents or whatever it was, uh, yeah, what didn't did he do, do anything. He buried he, it. Yeah, it, and he was punished for that. That's right. That's right. We have to make use of the land and uh, let it benefit us as well as the. Uh, the natural parts of the land that were already there. And Mm -hmm. if that means confining a species to say one area because they no longer need to migrate, well then, well, let's do that. 
Which was what eventually happened with the buffalo. They're no longer roaming across the U.S. I don't know if buffalo were ever uh, migratory anyway. Yeah, I, I don't know. Should we clarify that, that what we're calling buffalo... American bison. Are actually yeah. American bison. is not, not true buffalo. <laughs> well, I still call them buffalo. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I think well, everybody knows yeah. what that is. <laughs> okay. You know what I mean. You know what? It took a lot less time for me to say that than I thought it would. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that's a good good point. That, um, But, you know, one of the things, um, it, it's kind of interesting that, because uh, we started out talking about how people want to use environmentalism ultimately as a kind of anti-humanism. That, and basically, they want to say, stop making new people. You know, stop, yeah. stop living, you know, uh, what they want to do. Okay. So you look at, at, at normal, um, look at nature. It, it's, it's kind of almost a, a weird, ironic, uh, schizophrenia on their part. So you look at nature and what happens in nature, every single life form out there, every plant, every animal, uh, does whatever it does, whatever it's you know set up to do, however it's set up to reproduce or whatever, and it keeps going and keeps going. It wants to grow and to flourish and and thrive and and you know given a few environmental factors like some water and and that kind of stuff. I mean, it's like so many parts of the world are just thick with life. It's just you know yeah. it, it it keeps going and. So they, there's people who, okay, on the one hand, they want to point to nature as some kind of, they want to make some kind of God out of nature. And then they want to turn to us and say, we shouldn't imitate that. We shouldn't, right. we shouldn't thrive. We, we should limit ourselves somehow. Exactly. And you know, it, yeah, this, like almost every part of liberalism it always seems to come back to abortion. Yeah. Because that's the big excuse for the ultimate liberal is that there's just too many of us and we should be, we should be able to have sex, but still not have children. But, uh, you can get back to your point. I just wanted to point that out because it always ends up at abortion. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that, I think that, that kind of was the end of my point and, and, and yeah, that was the right, follow on to it um that and it's you know some of it is i think a real i don't know i i I think that that there's a sort of diabolical hatred of the human race ironically that some people have it's like they hate their own race it's like like in america you've got people who hate america living in america they they use all the benefits that america gives them in order to spelt hate for america well i think there's people who are that way about the human race yeah and and then there's other people who maybe aren't quite at that level but for some reason in some way they think that somehow the earth isn't going to be i don't know capable of providing for people like like somehow if we don't you know if we keep you know growing as a population we're going to just like somehow strip the earth bare like the earth, like, like plants aren't going to be able to keep reproducing yeah. more plants and animals aren't going to keep reproducing more animals. 
and then we'll be the only thing left, and then we'll all starve and die or something. I don't know. I, yeah. I, I, it's really hard to envision what they think, but they seem to think something along those lines. Yeah, it's uh, but, always you know, it's, apocalyptic. Like, it's yeah. everything's going to end if we don't stop farming. And it's, I mean, it, some of some of the stuff is just really stupid. Yeah. I, I look at it and I yeah. think, how can you think that? But yeah, for some you, reason, you really it, it's, wonder. it's attractive to some people, and I'm I'm not sure why. That whole ideology is is it draw especially millennials right now. I mean they they really believe we're destroying the planet every time we do something on the planet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like hey, you know what? We're doing what we do. We're 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 following our nature. We're we're rational beings. We think about things, and then we we and and we're also transformational beings it's part of our nature to take what's there and then to change it to suit us right there's something about that god built that into us he wants us to do that now yeah the that that impulse you know since the fall can go in a lot of wrong directions so we have to give good consideration to what we're doing and and our motives and stuff Uh, i don't want to say that everything you know just because we're inclined to do it is necessarily good but it's clearly built into our natures to want to you know take what's out there and transform it to our needs to to change it into something that serves us somehow um yeah and we shouldn't you know we, we shouldn't feel like there's something wrong with doing that either now there are certain situations uh for example here in the u.s uh we saw these giant planes that were covered with grass and that's where the buffalo were. And we're like, well, let's, Mm -hmm. let's take all that and farm it. So we just covered that whole area with farmland. Um, that to a lot of people, and I, I don't know how much of it is true and how much of it isn't. That is what created the dust bowl quote over farming the land and drying it out with plants that were not meant to be on there. Oh, right, right. Um, I, I, I don't know if you've seen that. Uh, there's a Ken Burns uh, documentary called The Dust Bowl, I think, um, that talks about the whole, all of those events from beginning to end, how it started as a drought, and the drought just kept getting worse and worse and worse. And... Um, it was because of farming that some people say it happened. Now, it was also because of farming that it ended. If you subscribe to that uh, idea that we caused the drought that was the Dust Bowl, then it also follows that we ended it. When we, uh, we at first we were farming, we were just we were digging up just the very top of the land. Uh, putting seeds in the very top. Um, mm-hmm. And then after 10 years of drought and these giant dust storms and nobody having any money or any way to make food, um, we started digging further down into the earth so that the dust was mixed down further and the top so- and the soil down lower was brought up to the top. And uh, supposedly that is part of what the solution was and we did end a drought in uh 
in the in the bread basket of America. Oh, right, right. Yeah. I didn't realize that history. <laughs> oh, you, yeah, you should you should watch it. It's a pretty good uh documentary. I I like all of Ken Burns' documentaries, but uh this mm-hmm. one's pretty good. Okay, uh, okay. I it might be on Netflix, I don't know. Cuz a lot of people have canceled but, Netflix. But that's a good example of what I was saying, right? About right. how we sometimes we need to change things a little. I mean, in its most basic, you go and kill an animal. Nobody goes and kills an animal and eats it right away, right? Right. Usually. You build a fire and cook it first. At least. Uh, yeah, usually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and a lot of times we, we mix it with plants and put spices with it and stuff like yeah, that, too. Yeah, make all kinds of wonderful things. <laughs> and it tastes really good when we do that. You know, well, so, one, of the other, uh, one of the other points to this is that the dryness was kind of, uh, it was a cycle because the the dryness caused these dust storms, which made the dryness worse. And the lack of crops made it worse because the crops kept dying and they couldn't uh, bring life back to the land. Um, mm-hmm. Now, since then, we've discovered these giant pools of water underneath the land that we can tap into and use now the end of this ken burns document is that um eventually that's going to run out and then we're going to be facing the same problem oh i would i would submit that it's not maybe not because well first of all you know we need to understand the the movement you know under the earth right you know Where's the water coming from? How's it getting there? And so forth. I, I don't think there's just like these isolated pools of water. Right. But but the other thing is, as you grow and use the land and, and produce, you change the environment above it, too. Right. And and you react to, uh, to certain things. I mean, we reacted to the drought, uh, not by just picking up and leaving. We weren't going to do that. Right. And we're not going to do that now. And if 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 we somehow deplete that giant source of water, the next step will be how do we replace it, or how do we come up with something different so that we still have water? Uh, yeah, that's why yeah, we, we're problem solvers. We build dams and we uh, mm-hmm. we find all kinds of ingenious ways of using water. I maybe someday we'll eventually figure out a way to uh, cheaply convert salt water into drinking water i mean it's what we do yeah yeah cheap cheap uh distilling or something like that yeah so uh that's that's really all i've got to say on the subject well you know i'm i'm gonna invoke a uh uh something i it's it's rare anymore that i that i would do this but i'm gonna evoke something uh that i read recently from um pope francis in his sermon yeah. Um, you know, the reading is the um the loaves and fishes um of course kind of foretells the uh doctrine of of the body of Christ and the real presence of the Eucharist and and uh, you know that that Christ is himself fully present in every fractional particle of the host everywhere. You know, when we receive holy communion, we receive the entire person of Christ, not just not just a foot or an arm or something like that. Um, and so the reading for the Feast of Corpus Christi is the 
uh, loaves and fishes uh, multiplication where Jesus fed 5,000. And Pope right. Francis was kind of interesting. I don't know if he really realizes what he did because Pope Francis seems to be sort of jumping on the bandwagon of this environmentalism stuff. Right. But he, he pointed out Jesus didn't take the, the five loaves and two fishes and turn it into 5,000 and then say, okay, now go distribute this. He just took the loaves and fishes that were there and said, okay, now start breaking off pieces and giving it to people. And as they broke off pieces, it just never ran out. It was he, Jesus just kind of trusted in the father's providence that he was going to provide that, that yeah. you don't, you don't, you know, and, and they didn't have to send all the people away either. Well, let's apply this. Okay. Now a lot of what is, you know, reasonable, you know, concern for, conservation of environment which is different than the the preservation that that, that we've been um kind of saying is inappropriate mm-hmm. but conservation is just making sure that it continues to be there for us to use but it implies that we're using it right. well part of a conservation is science and there has to be some science behind that but at the same time god put us here on this earth we know as catholics from faith that the reason this earth exists is for us. God created the, the entire universe, the entire physical world in order so that he could create us and put us in it so that we could then, you know, enter into heaven and be with him. And, you know, he yeah. may have plans for us after that. We don't know what that's going to look like, but we know that this world was created for us. We are God's reason for physical creation. Now, given that, and then God tells us, you know, be fruitful and multiply. And, and God teaches us that, hey, you know, there's, there's certain things, you, you know, you're not allowed to engage in sex and, and, and purposely prevent pregnancy. You're not allowed to just go kill each other in order to make room for things, you know, stuff like right. that. Well, if we take Pope Francis' approach, realize that, Hey, this lesson of the loaves and fishes, in addition to its lesson about Corpus Christi and the body of Christ, is this lesson of trust in God's providence that we don't have to see that the whole thing is there all up front. We can do what God instructed us to do and trust that he's going to provide. And that means filling the earth. Certainly. And trusting that that. The way God created this earth, it's going to work. It's going to provide. It's going to be there for us. You know, that's that I that's something that I would take from Pope Francis's uh, sermon about the loaves yeah. and fishes. Instead of, uh, I don't think he meant that because he's no, he did busy with this Amazonian synod in the meantime. <laughs> Instead of looking at, uh, <laughs> well, let's see, statistics say. Blah, 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 blah. And in 20 years, there won't be enough room. Um, I mean, you can plan ahead to make the earth produce more than it is right now. uh, Or even just do that because you want to produce more because you want to make more money, which is what the free market would do naturally. Uh, Or sit there and fret about it and worry and say, oh, my gosh, we got to limit the number of people. And it's yeah. Uh, it, it seems like the more people do that, the worse off those areas are. Um, you know, I, yeah. I mean, we we have certainly, you know, I, I say we. I mean, 
modern man has certainly made some some missteps when it comes to stewardship when you know when it comes to to conservation and and setting things up to to uh you know keep providing for us and stuff like that you know i don't think anybody's going to deny that but you know for the most part things are better when we're involved right and i I would point to america um we've covered this entire uh continent and um and we we definitely changed some things you know uh we go once a year we go down to a, a place in kentucky called red river gorge and we uh, hike through the trails and it, it's a really amazing place and it would be a shame yeah. to lose something like that so i'm all for making that a park and setting it aside and say this is the place we're gonna uh we're gonna keep natural as well as we can um however it wouldn't be as nice of a place if it was full of black bears mm-hmm. it just wouldn't be yeah. as good because you'd have to right. worry about getting eaten and at the same time, there were other areas just as nice as Red River Gorge that mm-hmm. are now Lake Cumberland, which uh, has its own ecology and its own uh, animals living there. And it's completely different. And we dammed it and filled it with water. And uh, it provides, it still provides recreation for us. It also provides power now. Yeah. Yeah. And a fresh supply of water for drought times. That's right. That's right. I mean, you know, think about how many reservoir lakes have been created by just just the simple act of damming for the purpose of creating reservoir lakes. And 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 they're teeming okay. with life. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's not the same life that was there before. Right. But but they're all hotbeds of <laughs> biological activity. Um yeah, so so don't be afraid to cut down a tree. Yeah. <laughs> Especially if you're going to make something out of it. Yeah. Makes a, but make even a if nice, you just need it for fire. A chair, a table, a fire. Right. Um, they grow back. Yep. You know, yep. even if it's not yeah. the one that takes 2,000 years to grow. And, and it is nice to hold on to some of those trees, but... If those trees were suddenly gone, that's not the end of the world. It's not that big a deal. We can make other mm-hmm. trees, or we can plant that's other right. trees. Uh, uh, and, well, yeah, yeah. And they grow, and uh, they do some of the same jobs. Might change a few things, yeah. but uh, America's still great, even though a lot of that original ecology is gone. That is that is the correct approach to nature i think and the environment and and when it comes to the people you know in a lot of these primitive lands there are people who have lost touch with civilization maybe five thousand years ago and have become more like animals than humans uh, kind of come become slaves of the environment right in a way and it's i mean yeah we all depend on on the environment. Yeah, we depend on on the air and the water and that kind of stuff. But but at the same time, it's you know we're not supposed to be slaves to it in the sense that we can't modify it to suit us. Yeah, and 
look, the lifestyles of these tribes, it's not better than it would be if they were civilized. Now, you can point to a really bad, a really overcrowded city and point to the mismanagement of it and say, really, you want them to go to that? Like if we we okay. we could you point to Chicago I, and say, oh, we're, we're going to put them in a place like Chicago. Is that better for them? Well, actually, Chicago, I wouldn't even I I would have no heartburn about about putting them in Chicago. I mean, you know, through the course of generations, I'm thinking like Beijing. Okay, um, <laughs> you know, or yeah. something like that. <laughs> um, but. You know, first of all, I don't think anybody's talking about that. <laughs> you know, I don't think I don't think we're talking about to, you know going into these Amazon forests and plopping down a major metropolitan city and saying, "Okay, everybody's got to become urbanized now." That's <laughs> well, it, it's it's one of those things where they like the American Indians. The American Indians, uh, they would plant, they would plant corn, and they were doing that mm-hmm. when we got here, and okay. they would. They would harvest that corn. I didn't realize. Only certain tribes, though, right? Some of the tribes were more savage than others. Right. That's true. Some of them simply lived by going from one tribe to the next and stealing everything. But oh, seriously? Uh, there were certain... I don't even know if you would call them tribes, because it, it wasn't like a whole race. It would be... I guess you would They're say bands. Groups. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. A but, clan, maybe. But they did farm. What they wouldn't do, mm-hmm. what they refused to do was to raise animals. Oh, they're kidding. That's, a lot of them, that was their big problem. We're not going to pen up this animal and grow it just for meat. Instead, we have to hunt it. Now they would go on a hunt, right, and get bring it back for the tribe. I don't even see that as as necessarily a um, I don't know a bad a bad thing for primitive people as no, a way it's of not. life. You know what I mean? But if if civilized people are going to live close by, they cannot do it that way anymore because the animal oh, population goes down. It changes. That's right. American that's Indians right. So, could not live in America today because... As, as their original... Uh, right. Right. Okay. They could not... What you're saying. It's right. just... When they for when we got to Kentucky, it was you couldn't walk say the length of a football field without seeing a whole herd of de- uh, white-tailed deer. Mm-hmm. That's how populated it was with wildlife. Um, so in the spring or the fall, whenever it was that they decided it was time to go on the hunt, they knew there were going to be animals. They would go right. on the hunt, get it, get enough meat for the year for their tribe. If they did it that way, I don't if know. It, I mean, it was basically, you know, like in the Ohio Valley, um, the Shawnee lived here. And there were different tribes all around the Kentucky area. But Kentucky, they considered that sacred ground. And there was a an agreement between all the tribes not to live in Kentucky. It would only be used by all of them as a hunting ground because it was now so that's plentiful. that's interesting. So... so- Okay, so now when we think Kentucky, we you know we we're thinking in terms of of drawn state borders, right? Erase the borders, and and what's the area? Are you talking roughly like Daniel Boone National Forest? Uh, from there on up to the Ohio River. The Ohio River okay. was always the, uh, and they called it the kind Kentucky of a dividing lands. line, huh? Yeah, 
Okay. So everything okay. south of the Ohio River in this so Ohio that was their Valley. sacred hunting ground. So the tribes didn't live there, but all the tribes could hunt there. Right. And then white man okay. moves in. See, we couldn't go in Ohio unless you wanted to go to war with the Shawnee. So so we had to settle in Kentucky and <laughs> right. We settled in Kentucky, and what happened right away? They would come down to go hunting. And it's like, what the heck happened to all the deer? There's no deer. <laughs> so okay yeah if yeah, you, you're right i mean it, you know moving in changes things yeah if you take into account things like that these people in the amazons if we're going to civilize these areas they cannot live the way they used to live it has to change yeah. and but you know what going in and saying okay we're gonna civilize them and we're gonna we're gonna plant civilization in those areas first of all okay we've already talked about yeah, that's 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 not a bad thing. You know, they they deserve right. if civilization also means the possibility of bringing the gospel to them, they deserve that. Right. Second of all, um I think it's a lot better to do that than to to do what and I don't know whether this is a real thing or just kind of like a a mythos that that environmentalists have kind of cooked up, but the the common perception is for example, we go in, we cut down all the trees, and then we leave. Yeah. And we leave this kind of raped, barren land kind of a thing. Obviously, planting a civilization there where there's where there's people thriving is far superior to just scraping everything off the land and, and then leaving and, and heading out. Right. And and I mean, I mean far superior for the sake of the natives that were living there to begin with. You know, on in... in... You could also consider the fact that, um, let's say you've got this Amazonian basin or something, this giant area they've decided, all right, uh, all the nations have decided to leave that area alone. Yeah. Um, and not civilize it. Okay, now you've got this giant Kind of like land. a worldwide aspect, a worldwide concept of a national park. Right. So the governments okay. are not going to go there. They're not going to yeah. do anything with this land, and they're going to leave the people who live there now to stay there. Um, All right. Okay. I didn't realize you meant that aspect. Okay. But okay. So let's, let's say that let's happens. Um, mm -hmm. Now, the fact is, you're just talking about governments now, but uh, nations are made of people, and there's still going to be people, and there's going to be a lot of bad people. That yeah. go into those areas, now these people have no protection against yeah. uh, evildoers. Exactly. For, yeah, so so what you've done is you've set up a free haven for people who want to go in and exploit the natives. And you've got, it, not to that extreme, but you've got something of the same situation right now here in North America with these, uh, with these reservations. A lot of them yeah. are being uh, exploited. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes by outsiders often by by the uh tribal leaders as i understand right. it they they set up these casinos and stuff and and it's on behalf of their tribe but it's like okay we'll we'll take uh 90 of it and we'll live well and then the other 10 percent can be distributed to everybody else right so not civilizing the area and taming the area is much worse for as because you're not going to be able to keep people out entirely. There's still going to be people going in there. And yeah. uh, it just, the whole argument just kind of crumbles, you know? Mm -hmm. 
Um, yep. But it sounds like that's what the argument is going to be from uh, Pope Francis and his synod. And it's unfortunate. You know, the, the, I don't know. This this Pope, is, he, he's just... I mean, we've already got a couple of instances of what what, you know, is just outright heresy from this pope we've got the whole death penalty thing we've got right. the uh the the multiplicity of religions thing um it sounds like this pope is buying into the heresy of uh, i consider it to be the heresy of the social gospel and here's what i mean by by calling it a heresy so um it it's kind of related i think to uh what people call liberation theology. And it might be exactly the same thing as what people call liberation theology. But I've kind of noticed this among certain groups of Catholics. There's kind of this, um, so, so we, we, the gospel itself, the real gospel from Jesus is, Hey, the father loves you and you sinned against him. And I've given you a path back so that you can be saved and return to union with him. That's the gospel. Yeah. Good that's news. that's the center of everything. Everything else you know matters in as much as it matters to that. Right. Now, so you know, we go through the world and we've got the generations on generations. Well, of course God wants as many people as possible to experience his love. So of course he wants us to keep being fruitful and have lots of generations through the world. And, and, and hopefully, you know, we've got many, many millennia ahead to come for the world to to create more people to be with God. But that's what it's about. It's about being with God. Well, there's a certain contingent of Catholic thinkers that seems to think that solving the problems of human suffering here on earth, the social problems like poverty and and so forth, and, and even, you know, uh, evils that, that one, you know, that, that people visit on another, like, like slavery and stuff. Yeah. Solving those problems is what the gospel is about. That, you know, Jesus said, you know, feed the poor. Um, and God throughout the Old Testament has said, uh, you know, give give quarter to the the uh, the the alien and and the widow and so on and so forth, but it's because God cares about them and wants them the alien, the widow, the 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 child, the uh, the innocent, the vulnerable, and so forth. He wants them to be able to come to a place where they can be with Him. So all of those other things have to be oriented towards, if if we're to be true Christians, oriented towards this concept of salvation, this this idea of union with God. Yeah. That's what it's all about. And there seems to be this this sort of uh concept running within Catholic circles that the feeding of the poor is what it's about all by itself, not just feeding the poor as in these individual people, but eliminating poverty yeah, or eliminating this social evil or that social evil. And so we have this thing where people are talking about the social gospel, and I'm putting kind of scare quotes around that, 
I think the concept of the, I think the idea of the social gospel, the very um, the very proposition that the gospel is a social thing as opposed to a uh, eschatological thing. I don't even know if I'm saying I think I always say eschatological. But anyway, that, that the gospel is about society and not about our salvation, about God, about, you know, right. our ultimate right. destination. I think that's a heresy of the modern world. I, maybe it's part of the heresy of modernism. I don't know. I haven't analyzed it that far, but I think that's a heresy. And I think a lot of Catholic attention to and kowtowing to environmentalism simply plays on that same heresy, except it removes it even one more step. Now it's not about people. It's about the world. And it's like, yeah. wait a minute. You know, we're, we're supposed to be about sal- the salvation of souls. That's our goal here. Bringing souls to Christ and and raising souls to to be brought to Christ. And if what we're doing doesn't serve that, then it's kind of meaningless. Even if what we're doing, you know, obviously what we're doing can serve it by, you know, by indirection and by example and that kind of stuff. You know, we, we, you know, we clothe the naked and feed the hungry and so on and so forth. Um, and by doing so, we show our love for them, our love for one another. Uh, we, we, and, you know, going out and missionizing, we build schools and churches. We, well, okay, we build schools to teach people so that they can make a better life for themselves so that they can, you know, learn to use the resources around them to And also uh, so that they can themselves. know about God. But we teach them about Christ. That's the the real the the uh that's the a, ulterior uh goal here. That's the is real to treasure bring we the have gospel to, to them. Yeah, exactly. And for you know for for these you know the modern Catholics to sort of um treat that as though it doesn't matter. I think that's actually a, a, a heresy at play within you know that it, it seems it, to be it has becoming achieve some footing within the church. Yeah. yeah. And I even think it's it's you know, I, I see hints of that heresy in, you know, Saint Francis as well. Right. It, it it's one of is it's a heresy that hasn't really been named yet. Exactly. Right. That's why I call it the heresy of the, you know, it's kind of funny. People use the word social gospel as though it's a good thing. I treat that term as the name for this heresy. Yeah. Yeah. This, this, the, the heresy that inverts the priority of salvation and, um, you know, justice within a society. I, to right. me, that's the heresy, and, and that is what the social gospel is. Yeah, and it's it's one of those things that we don't have any any church leaders pointing it out, right? And it, no, it just exactly. keeps getting worse and worse. And and why you know it it's like how could they you know I, I mean yeah. okay they what could are you saying it's wrong really to, to feed people it. and it's wrong exactly to do, you know what like, you, no, but, okay wait a minute oh, come on you know it's you know it it it's almost like a. Um, it's almost like a feminine logic thing, you know. Feminine right. logic is that logic you you. It's wrong in its conclusion, but somehow it's constructed in a way that you can't argue with it. Right. <laughs> um, All you, yeah. It's, it's kind of like that. It, I don't know. That may, maybe maybe we could. Uh, 
maybe we can relate it to the feminist heresy. I don't know. <laughs> Although feminism is actually a rejection of femininity, so I, right. it doesn't work there either. <laughs> I, I think we've said everything we need to say about it. Unless you yeah, got more, yeah. Okay. Except you know, I, 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 we didn't really come out and say that that okay. There is, we do have some responsibility to exercise some a, a level of stewardship and conservation of our environment. We have a responsibility to work to make sure that the future and hopefully increasing numbers of generations of humans continue to have. And and right. to be able to use that which we have and that we're using, okay? That's, you know, yeah, of course we have that responsibility. Um, and the fact that we have that responsibility is often what makes it so difficult to challenge the, the, the weird claims and the weird suggestions of environmentalists today. Right. And, so, yeah, and it, and there's also the... Uh, well, the beauty of nature, um, aside from its yeah. use, there's, uh, yeah, there's the, the appreciation of it and the experience of it, um, is, is something that obviously should be, uh, guarded, but it doesn't have to be exactly the way it was originally created because it was originally created as a uh the earth itself well, was, it was created it was created as for a dynamic us to process. Inhabit. Yeah, I mean it you know that's the you know we've got you know erosion and we've got you know we've got evaporation followed by rains. We've got erosion and and then we've got you know building up of things, depositing of things. It, it, it's yeah, the, there's it was created as a as a dynamic a dynamic process in which we get to participate and we get to we have the privilege of participating in God's act of creation by taking some level of of control of that process. Right. And and But at the same time, yeah, you're right. I mean I and I think you're you're talking about things like national parks and stuff there's some things that's just like wow we can't we can't replicate that yeah we just got to hand that to god and so let's so keep just that guard and, it and, and let future generations also experience that yeah and, uh, and the red river gorge is a good example right i'm starting to look forward to that again in fact i think yeah i know we, we need to start planning that for yeah. this year but I, in fact, I even think of the red. I know that it's not quite as expansive and quite as deep, but I kind of think of it as the Grand Canyon of the Midwest. Right. It's it's our little Grand Canyon. It's uh, yeah, yeah. But, um, but it, it's a life filled Grand Canyon. The Grand Canyon's mostly desert. Yeah. Um, whereas the Red River Gorge, I mean, lush. it's magnificent, but it's also lush. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and, and you know the thing is that these. These areas like that, they are for ch- ever changing, even without our intervention. Uh, well, that's true. They change on their own, so it's like, yeah. Well, what do you? Is it better that nature changes it than us changing it, or better nature changes it than us preserving it? Uh, what? How do you decide what's best for this area? Is it because you know what I mean? Why? 
Why is it better for nature to turn this into a desert than for us to turn it into a lake? Exactly. <laughs> so. Right, right. Okay. And, and the only reason would be that a particular area somehow speaks to the heart in a way that, that kind of glorifies God. Okay, then we say, all right, we're going to let nature keep doing what it's doing and set this aside. Those are, their, those are our national parks. Right. And and yeah, sure. It's it's certainly appropriate to do that. All right. All right so I think we're good. Uh, we're, what about uh, some current events? Okay, current event. I didn't go through all the uh, current events and pick out because there's a couple big ones that stick out. Um, okay. We've got the well, Trump announces his candidacy, and mm-hmm. and that was huge. I think like a hundred thousand people were trying to get in, uh, or maybe it was one hundred twenty thousand. <laughs> Uh, the they filled the stadium and then there were thousands outside. It was huge. Yeah, this happened down in Florida. So uh, he announces, and I, I think within the first twenty four hours, he's raised uh, what was it twenty four million dollars, uh, more than more than has ever been done by the uh, Democrats, uh, uh, more than ever's been done before. And and you remember I... before he even announced. He had raised yeah. more money than all the other, all the Democrats put together, and the right. average donation was like ten dollars. It's yeah, it it shows he's got a a groundswell of support of people who are just refreshed, right? With and, <laughs> yeah, this, you know, it's kind of funny. I, I was reading. I, I'm going to break in here because this the sense of being refreshed by Trump. Okay, I mean, he's got a sort of crudeness about him that 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 may feel like, well, well, how could you say refreshed? Okay, whatever. But it's kind of funny. I was um, reading an article, and I forget where I even read it, um, and they were pointing out that another uh, a particular magazine that the the author of the article was saying that that he goes and like reads the various liberal you know screeds and mm-hmm. stuff that that come out and a particular magazine um so trump was elected and when like right when he first got elected in this particular liberal magazine's editorial view uh the main you know the main uh sin or or uh problem with trump was that he had no experience as an elected official oh well (laughs) okay well actually that's that's a big part of his strength we think however when uh what's i I don't know how you actually say the name marson or whatever in france was was elected well he didn't have much political experience either but in the same magazine that called out Trump for not having any experience as an elected official, they praised him as, you know, being able to, uh, because he was a liberal, um, make his, uh, you know, they, they praised him for, for, you know, being kind of a political outsider and, and being able to become the prime minister or whatever he was without, you know, um, uh, with like the least political background or whatever. In other words, the very same facts about two different people was on the one hand uh, vilified, on the other hand praised by these this liberal rag because 
um, the one was liberal and the other was conservative. So it's like, yeah, the the okay, maybe he he comes off a little bit crude and that kind of stuff, which means he has not had the polish of of a poli- of a lifetime politician. You bet that's refreshing to people. Yeah. Definitely. And yeah, all the people that all they can afford is $10, but they're lining up. Yeah, here it is. Take my $10. Go get elected again. You know, okay, I'm going to read you a couple quotes that describe one of our presidents. (laughs) One Um, of our presidents in the past? Yeah. A barbarian, Scythian, Yahoo, or gorilla. Uh, An idiot. One man called him the original gorilla. Uh... If he is reelected, I shall immediately leave the country for the Fiji Islands. Uh... You know who 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 people used to talk in in those kinds of terms about was Abraham Lincoln. Yeah, well, that's who all these are about. Is universally Seriously? an admitted failure, has no will, no courage, no executive capacity, and his spirit necessarily infuses itself downward through all the departments. And his is the memorial that's right on the other side of the reflecting pond from right. the uh, the Capitol building. Yeah. I would rather be a dead man as president, thus abused in the house of my... Fr- oh, I'm sorry, that was from... Uh, uh, that was his wife talking about how much everyone hates him. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it... it all the things I hear them saying about Trump are the same kinds of things that were it's said kind about of, it's, Lincoln. It's like so many echoes of Lincoln, isn't it? Mm. And the whole the whole parallel with slavery and abortion, yeah, and how effective Trump has been. It's it's uh, almost scary. But you know what's scary is that you know, <laughs> uh, okay, things were a lot more lax in terms of security back then, but. You know, there's going to be people who are going to be out there trying to assassinate Trump. Yeah. If he gets elected again. I mean, his Secret Certainly. Service has got to be on on their game. Especially with how uh, how friendly he is with the people. Mm-hmm. And yeah. how much he wants to be a part of them and let them be a it's part of because he's them. a real person. It's because yeah. he's a person instead of a politician. Right. Uh, speaking of Trump... So, uh, I guess you... Okay, Iran shoots down a a drone, an unmanned drone worth $100 million. Now, okay. President Trump's pretty ticked off about it. And right. he says they made Was a big mistake. Was it an attack, attack drone or just surveillance? I don't even know. Yeah, it probably doesn't matter. But it's over international waters, and Iran shot it down. Mm, mm. Not over Iran airspace. Right. Okay, didn't realize that. That's a big difference. Okay, so... Okay. Uh, yeah. I, <laughs> Trump's so, hey, ticked guys, off about it. it. Um, and he says they made a big mistake. And he kept saying okay. that. And so we're all thinking, wow, he's going he's gonna to press the button on this one. And then at, mm-hmm. the, at the very end of the little press uh, thing he was doing, he said, although I... He said, I, I don't know. Maybe it was a mistake. Maybe the wrong person was in the wrong chair at the wrong time. And maybe it's just a mistake. We're going to find out. And then he announces that uh, he's going to hit, I guess there were like three places he was going to hit that okay. night. Um, now, that night, everybody's saying he's a warmonger. At the last minute, 
he changes his mind. Okay. And he tweets out. He says, look, I asked the generals how many people are going to die. They said 150. He said, well, it's not it's not proportional. You know, they shot down a drone and... Oh, they didn't kill people. They didn't launch an attack against people. Right. Okay. So he called it off at the last minute. Now he's a Oh, wuss. so he, he was going to attack military installations and then right. he found out... He 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 made he said okay wait a minute what are we talking about in terms of loss of life? He actually used the word proportional. Uh yeah it was in the uh, tweet. He explained to. Uh, I mean that's a Catholic concept when it comes to right, stuff like this. Right. And uh, look, I, it's my opinion that he never planned to hit those places. Possibly not. I think he's, he wanted to see. I think what he wanted happen? to see what what people would leak. I think he wanted to see what would leak. Oh. I think he's shoring up the leaks because one of the things he said during his candidacy is uh, he was talking about the way Obama handled certain things. And he said, look, if I were going to attack such and such, I wouldn't tell you about it. Well, sure. I'm not going to tell the press every time I'm going to launch an attack. I have a feeling that he was looking for activity around the targets to see who he could trust. And if he said, we're going to hit these targets, what happens at those targets? I I think that whole thing has been a farce. I think... Could be. And you know what? What if he actually had different targets in mind and internally he was saying different targets? Right. We would never know it. And maybe he's but still going to do it. something happened at those targets. Yeah. The, and then he gets feedback from intelligence about the targets that internally... He, so he tells one story to the press, a different story internally, bounding people to secrecy, and looking what happens to see where his leaks are. Right. And then... That could happen. You know, I mean, on on top of all that, you've got two schools... That, even on the pro... On, the anti-Trumpers are going to criticize him no matter what he does. But on the pro-Trump side, you've got one group of people who are saying, look, this tiny little country out there, they can't be hitting us. This this has to be answered. They're not you, – you can't let these little countries just come in and strike when they want. On the other hand, part of his campaign was we're going to get out of these endless wars. Yeah. And, and that was part of his, I mean, people criticized him, but that was part of his, his, you know, withdrawing troops. What did he, with, you know, everybody was Syria, criticizing when yeah. he was withdrawing troops from Syria. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, yeah, that's true. He, he, you know what he's, that's one of the things about Trump that, that has impressed me is that he has tried uh, as much as he can to be true to his campaign. His campaign wasn't like. I'm going to say one thing to get elected and do something else. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, he did say that he was going to not go into these endless wars and just keep bombing and keep... Because I I think those kinds of wars are really all about money and people getting paid off. Oh, uh, right. He wasn't going to... I don't think he's going to be a part of that. And I think part (laughs) of this whole thing is that... Some arms 
some some producer of weapons or, or bombs goes right. to you know and whispers in some senator's ear that's on the uh, intelligence committee. Hey, we we need to sell some more bombs. Get yeah. the president to to start bombing some part of the world. And then after <laughs> after we bomb a place, we send in contractors to do all kinds of other work. To, I right, mean, that's there's right, a lot of money right. in these wars. Mm-hmm. So yeah, uh, yeah. I look. I I guess the short of it is. I'm willing to trust Trump's uh, judgment on this one, and I mean we'll, we'll see what happens. We knew we know things have been beefed up when it concerns Syria, uh, Iran, and yeah, he pulled us out of the agreement that Obama had made, and now he's putting sanctions. I'll bet the sanctions he puts on Iran are going to cost them more than a hundred million dollars. Possibly, yeah. It's it, and you know it could be that they are smart enough to see that and they they just just agree to pay for the drone. That would be the best outcome. That would be awesome. I doubt it's going to happen, but it would. Be and cool. tr- you know, they say, well, yeah, it was a mistake. We've executed the guy that was sitting in the seat. <laughs> Here's your hundred million dollars. <laughs> there is, there is one guy who's uh, I don't know where he's from, but he is claiming that yes, it was a mistake. And the authorities in Iran are irate at this general for hitting that drone. For doing it? Yeah. Oh, okay. It, so, I, I could imagine that. It's, yeah, okay. I guess, I guess this is one of the things. Even over just, the $100 million. We just got to wait and see what happens. Yeah. Um, right. The one thing is that, look, we know that Trump is not a coward. Yeah. I, I mean, to make that argument is just that's, silly. That's true. And at, mm-hmm. that's. I mean, he's... I don't know. I, I'm going to trust him on this one, and, and we'll see what happens in the next couple weeks. Yep. Um, and you know that's that's true. I mean, it's, he's not a coward, and he's not he's not a coward in the sense that um, he's not worried about the polls. Okay. Yeah, he's running for re-election, but he's not doing things based on whether it's going to get him elected. Right. That's and you know, and again, that that goes back to that word I use, refreshing. Yeah, definitely. And I, I don't know. I think a lot of uh, sophisticated people who have become never Trumpers, or even just will will claim that yeah, okay, I'll get behind Trump because he's actually moving the uh, pieces when it comes to ending abortion. But uh, I can't pretend to like him. Um, I Trump represents America right now. I like it or don't like it. Go to the cities, and unless you're talking about the Ivy Leagues, this is what America's like. We're not polite. We're not presidential. And we never have been. Uh, America at large. We're kind of, we're, we're kind of crude. And it, it, yeah. that's been part of our culture since the beginning. Since uh, George Washington. And... I, Look, Trump represents that. That's that's why we like him, right? So, um, I don't know. I don't have any more uh, news except for David Gilmore auctioned off uh, 120 of his uh, guitars. A uh, hundred and twenty of them? Yeah. So okay, he he no, raised. Let me, let me He's got a hundred and twenty. <laughs> David Gilmore from uh, well, okay, Pink Floyd. But I mean, I would think, I I would think he's got like okay thirty or forty. I bet he's got four or five hundred. 
Okay. Well, wow, man. I mean, yeah, I know who David Gilmore is. Okay. <laughs> you know what? I would, I would actually, if I had the money, that's that's one of the things I'd buy is a David Gilmore guitar. Yeah. So, uh, I, I don't know why that's. I found that interesting. He raised uh, uh, twenty one point five million dollars. Cool. Well, yeah. All right. Is it just for him, or is he giving the money to some stupid charity? I don't see anything about him raising it for charity, but well, okay. hold on a second. I'm glad because if he here. was giving it to a charity, I'm sure yeah. it would be a stupid one. I mean, he's an excellent guitarist, but you know about those those celebrities—they're never really yeah. bright. Doesn't doesn't say anything in here about charities. I I didn't know he needed money, but I know he uh, he's got a few albums out that I I think. Maybe one or two. Oh, good just himself, songs on. not yeah, not like post Pink Floyd PPF. Yeah, he tours, but I he owns the rights, to, or at least he controls the rights to a lot of the Pink Floyd songs. So he'll do things mm-hmm. like "Wish You Were Here," um, but then he's got oh, okay. a few of his own that uh, post Pink Floyd that I, I don't know. I don't really care. There may be one or two that I like, but for the yeah. most part, uh, wait a minute. Kind of like okay, uh, no, kind of like I'm George sorry. Harrison, yeah, this is uh, Earth, Client Earth is where the money's went to. Client Earth, huh? It's an environmental thing. Oh, yeah, too bad. <laughs> it's oh, well, kind of funny. It goes fits with our podcast yeah. today. Yeah. So, all right. Well, you know, I've I've got a local one. Okay. Um, uh, and this is not news from the Nation of Nonsense. This is just standard uh, current events. But, oh, okay. Uh, so we have here in Indianapolis a high school called Brebuff Jesuit Preparatory School. It's it and it has long been considered a fairly, uh, you know, um, strong Catholic um, private school. It's one of those that uh, I, I don't know what the tuition is per year, but only rich people go there. Let me put yeah. it that way. Well, um, this past week. Uh, Archbishop Charles Thompson of the Archdiocese of Indianapolis has revoked their right to call themselves, to, you know, put themselves out publicly as a Catholic institution. Oh, wow. Because they have a teacher on their staff who is in a same-sex so-called marriage, and they, and, you know, the Archbishop, you know, approached them and said, hey... Uh, you know, the, the, it's not that he went and as soon as the marriage happened, he, you know, it's not like he's he's combing and micromanaging and said, hey, you got to fire this guy and stuff like yeah. that. Right but his contract has ended. It, it's up for renewal. And he said, all right, you can't renew this teacher's contract. This is a if you're going to be a Catholic school. Yeah. Um, your teachers have to be exemplars of the faith that they're teaching if you're going to call your mission Catholic. Sure. So, uh, Brebuff, you know, declined to uh, heed the uh, Archbishop's advice. They renewed the teacher's contract. They said, we're going to renew it anyway. And so the Archbishop revoked um, their right to call themselves a Catholic school. And of course, locally, there's a lot of, you know, hubbub over it. And um, most, you know, you go to any, like, common secular news source most people are in fact everybody pretty much is down on the archbishop down on the archdiocese you know in support of Burbuff, whatever so i you know from our podcast for what it's worth i just want to say and put it out there 
Uh, kudos to Archbishop Thompson. And, right. And, uh, you know, he needs our support and our prayers. He's, um, he's exercising the whole world there. some... Uh, yeah, I mean, this is this is real heroism. This is a very unpopular line that he's holding, and he's holding the line. Yeah. So you know, let's let's all uh, give him our prayers, and if you can find some way, whether on social media or whatever, to uh, give him support, uh, go ahead and do it. Yeah, it's important. So, all right, all right we do have we a couple things from the Nation of Nonsense. Oh, we do. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Do you have something else? No, I, I thought we were done. Okay. 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 So, Nation of Nonsense. <laughs> here, here we are in England again. Okay. So, if you have not seen it yet, stop, discontinue our podcast, put it on pause, and go find and watch a copy of The Birds. I guess Alfred we'll Hitchcock, link, link to it. The Birds. What? What's that? We're going to... You want people to stop and watch the birds? I want to I, if they have not seen it yet. Oh, Anybody okay. who has not seen Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds, I'm assuming everybody's seen it. I mean, that's such a classic movie. But yeah. if you have not, stop. Go watch The Birds. Then come back to this podcast. So, uh, according to Fox News, an English couple said they were unable to leave their house for nearly a week because seagulls tried to attack them every time they left. You're kidding me. This is an old couple in uh, Not End on the Sea in Lancashire, and uh, seagulls would chase them whenever they tried to go outside. <laughs> Just them or everyone? <laughs> Just them. That's so weird. <laughs> they said, thankfully, we have an integrated garage. I can go into it from the kitchen, open the door, and drive out to go shopping. But if I have to leave the garage door open, that's not ideal. Um a spokesperson for the uh, local government told the news outlet that the gulls are protected while they nest. Uh, and while they sympathize with the Packard situation, they can't really do anything about the birds. Wait a minute. I, <laughs> I don't know. This ties into our podcast. Are they happen? Do they, are they, is their home built on like a nesting site or something? Uh, why are they attacking them? No, I don't. Them? It doesn't say. It just says that they're being says attacked. It says, huh. The two adult birds are right there, and I've got no chance. It's genuinely frightening. It, oh, it's, so it's, it's, not, a, it it's not like a, a group of 500 of them. It's two specific No, no, birds. no. It's just when they open there, there's two, these two oh. seagulls, or this pair of seagulls, like, dive bomb and attack these people every time they go out. Okay. <laughs> now, okay, I will say this. <laughs> Uh, the two, the couple, it's an old couple, older couple. Uh, the man is 77, the wife is uh, 71. They so probably, They smell like old people. Well, I was going to say the birds might just be kind of like standing there and kind of squawking at them real mean and stuff Maybe like that. Not scared. necessarily. The concept yeah. of attacking, it could be different for them than it is for us. So, like, right. when I see think attack, it's like, okay, if a bird's going to squawk at me, I'm not going to even worry about it unless it actually flies and tries to, like, peck at me or something like that. Right. So, I don't know. It could be that the birds are just squawking You walk them. through Blue Which, Ash, those those geese run after you and... Rah, 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 and they'll sit there. They don't actually come up and bite you, though. Well, that was... I was going to say that, you know, because this kind of reminded me of something. This this could also kind of be part of my uh, nonsense news, but, but it's personal. So, I work in a... Um, sort of one of those um, 
you know, business office parks kind of a thing, and they've where they've got a few buildings, and then they've got landscaping and and yeah, some areas pond. of grass. Well, and they've got you know they've got a couple of ponds there, but the thing is, it's not even not even close to the pond. But there's this grassy area where I first go in, where the geese like to hang out. Yeah, and and they've just had their young, and so there's a lot of like like very young geese along with some older geese there. One of those days, and I don't know what it was that caused this to happen, but one of those days while I was driving in, one of the older geese started rushing at my car like with this angry. <laughs> like, I mean, <laughs> like like it was going to attack my you. car. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, really? Go ahead, you know? dude. <laughs> Do what you think you can. I don't know. But <laughs> yeah. I get them rushing at me all the time. I, I guess, you know, if they actually did attack the car and then they ended up getting, like, like crushed under your tires, I think there's probably some kind of fine that, that you'd have to pay or something. I don't know. It's so stupid. Yeah. But uh, anyway. Despite the fact that they're everywhere, they're protected. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think they like I think those are Canadian geese. That's yeah. That's those are the they're protect. I mean, in spite of the fact that they're like, it's like I, I don't know. You you can't go anywhere without yeah, finding them. And they're yet, everywhere for some reason. They're protected and they poop all over the parking lots. And yeah, it's gross. they do. It's awful. It's yeah. So anyway, all right. Second one. Uh, there was a woman who was released from a Missouri jail. And, uh, <laughs> she, okay, so she, she's released from jail. Now I've, you know, I've, I've had one of my kids who was in jail and when I went to pick him up, he, it's like, they, they said, go park there. Mm-hmm. And it's like this kind of like, you know, out, it's like, it might even in the right place. It's out of the way. This like just surrounded by chain link fence kind of a thing. Yeah. And there's this like bare door, you know, very un you know, obtrusive. There's the side of the building, this bare door, and it's like they open the door, let him out, close the door, and that's it. And then he walks out to get my car, you know. Yeah. Well, I, I guess they didn't even do this much for this woman. They didn't even escort her to the bare door to, to let her leave the jail. Uh, and this is in St. Louis. They processed her out and from the desk told her the directions out of the building. You go here, you go there, go through this door. Okay. So she took a wrong turn and she got into this area of the building that was, she couldn't get outside. All the doors to the outside were locked and she couldn't get outside. But then once she had gone through the door, she also couldn't get back into the main building. It was like some uh, kind of, like yeah. a fire escape stair or something like that. I don't know what, you know, I don't, I don't know why she couldn't get outside, but she couldn't get back in. She was trapped in there for two and a half days. Wow. I can see that <laughs> in the jail building. <laughs> yeah, because uh, I I have to go to do, uh, places like that to fix machines. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's like you need a card to get through this area, and then you need a card yeah. to get out. I've gotten locked in the bathroom. Well, I was okay. locked in the bathroom for like forty five minutes because um, somebody let me into the bathroom, and then I couldn't get out of the bathroom. And to the open, door wouldn't open. Right. To open certain doors, like, you need certain cards. It's like you're, you're like, you just go pound on the door every few minutes or whatever and hope somebody right. hears you. Or yeah. it's like, come on, guys, don't you ever have to pee? Yeah, I can, I can see that. Yeah. 
So, anyway, you know, that happened to me almost. Not not quite as bad as you, but I was at GM. Um, was it GM? No, it was Chrysler. I When I was working up in uh, Michigan, and I had to go into the Chrysler production plant. Now, they're very, very um, serious about the possibility of information walking out of their oh, building yeah. that might be taken, you know. So I got in, and it turned out that the guy that I was there to meet was a new guy, and he had not yet big, been given the security codes huh. to allow him to clear <laughs> to go out of the building. So his badge wouldn't work to get me out of the building, <laughs> and it's so I'm stuck. like stuck there, <laughs> and it's like, you know, and, and I I was kind of a jerk about it. I, they have you know these cubicle farms, and yeah. it's like, well, who can we call? It's like, There's you a know. Whole sc- and I'd, sea of people I'd over pick there. up the phone and I'd I would like talk on the phone and I would talk kind of loud because people you know there's yeah. this kind of etiquette in cubicle farms when you're on the phone you have to talk quiet which is kind of I mean I hate being on the phone with somebody who's in that situation because I have to ask them to speak up and they don't want to do it because yeah. you know they're out in a cubicle so I was talking loud and asking you know hey can you get me out of here who can get me you know it's that kind of stuff because right. I also had other stuff going on I had I was like only supposed to be there in the morning and then for the afternoon I was taken off and I had a timeline I had to be on and there's people say, Hey, could you keep it down? It's like, <laughs> if you can let well, me, get out, of me out of here and I'll be down. quiet. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so anyway, but it, it's kind of, yeah, you know, that, that yeah. stuff does happen. So, I went into one you know, place not... and, uh, uh, worked on a machine and, and every now and then someone would stop by. Well, how's it going? Is it fixed yet? And then people stopped coming and uh-huh. I wrapped everything up, and I get my tool bag, and I start looking around. And finally, I find my way out of the building, but the gates are all locked with padlocks. Oh, I couldn't get my get car out, out. Of the parking lot. Yeah, I was oh, trapped. Oh man! I called and searched, and I was getting ready to call the cops. Finally, I found one guy who was still inside there, and uh, he had to call like five to different people to get me to out. To find out it what was guard could... Yeah. Well, how was he going to get out? I don't know. It was like he was going to spend the night. <laughs> oh, he you know, parked I mean, okay, on the outside. I understand these things, but... He parked but, on the outside of those gates. Oh, okay. You know, people should tell you that when you go there. Hey, don't yeah. park. Don't go in the parking lot or you'll get trapped. Or, you know, I don't know. We're leaving at five. If you still here, then you might get trapped. So come on out. Yeah. Yeah, I was yeah. pretty mad. So apparently, uh, this woman, you know, she finally made it when somebody noticed her in one of the windows of one of the doors, but she was making noises, but people couldn't figure out where the noises were coming from because <laughs> she kept moving from, she would move from floor to floor. Yeah. Banging on doors, <laughs> bang on this door, bang on that door. So, okay. Here's a lesson for anybody who gets into that situation. Stay in one place. Yeah. Just bang on one door. <laughs> All right. So. Final thing, one more from the Nation of Nonsense. That this is just funny. It, it, I I don't actually have the text of it, but but you'll have to um, you'll have to put maybe I don't know a link to the uh, Fox News story. Yeah. Um, so it's it's because it's a video story. It doesn't actually have the text, but apparently <laughs> the, the title the the headlines: Kids are growing horns from too much phone use. Oh yeah, I heard about. So this this. Uh, this this doctor uh, um, is on talking about how from the way they hold their phones against their head 
I guess it's causing, and it's not a horn in the sense of the top of the head, but in the back behind the mastoid process, kind of like behind the ear, they're tending to grow this like like extra little uh, uh, little spur of bone down downward that it's like growing out of their head. Yeah. Does this guy have proof of this? He says, uh, Fox News medical contributor, Dr. Mark Siegel, on how cell phone use is physically changing us. I don't know. It's, Does he uh, have, like, x-rays that we can oh, there's, look at? Oh, there's x-rays. Yeah, yeah. Okay. No, there's x-rays in the, in the, in the, uh, in the video. So. I'll have to yeah, look at the, that. I heard about that. I was kind of like, eh, whatever. Yeah, really? Yeah. Yeah, I didn't believe <laughs> I, well, it. Well, I saw it. I thought, okay, that's, I thought it was going to be like a humor piece or something like that, like. You say kids are growing horns from too much phone use, and I thought they were going to be like, I thought that was like like metaphorical, like kids are, you know, turning into like the devil or something like that, like their parents don't know what to do with them. But no, he's 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 talking about literally, and and he's got the thing this, is uh, kids don't walk x-ray. around all day look uh, with listening to their using their cell phones. They use them to text, not talk. Well, that's the thing that it's, and I wonder if it's not cell phones, but like headphones and earbuds or something. Yeah, I, I don't believe it. I'm gonna have to. I'll look. Well, let's, you've let's, got the let link. Me, go I'll ahead. look at it. You know, we'll link yeah, I'll to it. I'll send you the link. I'll send you the link, and if if one of us gets time to actually research it and and debunk it, we'll bring it back up in a in a future podcast. Yeah, yeah. Because me, I've always kind of been a friend of cell phones. It's like. You know, <laughs> right? You, you get the whole internet, especially modern cell phones, in your pocket. <laughs> right. It's amazing. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, well that's we all I've got. Up. All right. Well, uh, think about what we said and circle As the always, beads. Circle the beads, everyone. And uh, we will see you next week. All right. Bye, everyone. <laughs> <laughs>